following program is pre-recorded. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour, high Canada. That music means it's the last radio hour of the week, the Hillsdale Dialogue. And I must tell you, at, at the event in Columbus on Sunday night, we had 1,500 people for the Ohio Senate candidates debate. And probably 1,499 of them came up to tell me they love the Hillsdale Dialogue. Now, that's one of them is on the board of directors at Hillsdale and one of the trustees. And I, we, we got together and we moaned and groaned about Larry Arn and how much of a problem he is and what a burden he is to us. But generally speaking, people love this hour. Now, this is the fourth of five hours on Harry Jaffa. Because Glenn Elmers joins president of Hillsdale College, Larry Arnn, and talking about Glenn's brand new book, The Soul of Politics, about Harry Jaffa, who is a professor to both of them and mentor to both Dr. Arnn and to Dr. Elmers. And uh, gentlemen, good morning. Larry, we were talking about you in Ohio on Sunday, behind your back, and it was re- great fun with David, your trustee. We, we both agreed you should, you should be you know, imprisoned somewhere. Both leave us alone. It really smarts because uh, he said good words about you to me. And I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we had a wonderful time. You've got your trustees talking originalism and statesmanship. We had a oh, good yeah. dinner on Saturday night. And he was telling me he wanted me to bear in, and I did on these candidates because of them, on their commitment to originalism. Now yeah. that's quite a trustee to have. Well, you know, I, I'd like to take credit for that, but it's not easy to get on the board of Hillsdale College, and that's one of the avenues. <laughs> Now, Glenn, I'm going to ask you uh, to answer this question, which I posed to my my small group on Saturday night, and I didn't have a chance to ask the Senate candidate. There are the Ivies, there are the little Ivies, and there are the new Ivies. The new Ivies are led, I think, by Hillsdale, which is the Harvard of the new Ivies. And I would add to it Grove City College. I think I would add Cedarville College. I would add Colorado Christian University, maybe Grand Canyon College, Biola. Who else? Da- University of Dallas, maybe University of Richmond. Who else are the new Ivies where parents can actually count on finding a Straussian or two, learning political theory, and being free of wokeism? Wow, that's a tough question. You already mentioned a lot of them. I'm not so attuned to the undergraduate level. I don't have kids, so I'm not quite... I mean, on the graduate level, I do know that some people... And again, this is a sort of a narrow field. I mean, if you're interested in Straussian political philosophy, uh, Baylor has some good people... Uh, again, you know, with a, with a fairly narrow focus. But I think you, you hit a lot of them already. Well, Dr. Arn, I'll turn to you because I, uh, the, the vice chair of the Center for Christian Virtue said, my son's first choice is Hillsdale, his second choice is Hillsdale, and his third choice is Hillsdale. And so I think a lot of conservative center-right or even fair-minded students want to be rigorous. They want an education, and they are rejecting wokeism. And therefore, they're... Their college choices are narrowing, but you can't take them all. God love you. Hillsdale can't take them all. Where do you tell them to go if they can't come to Hillsdale? Well, I have a problem with that. Uh, uh, very clever of you, by the way. You ask Glenn <laughs> to deal with this diplomatic question, uh, which is either mischief or shrewdness. I often wonder which. Uh, some of those you named are good, and... Some of those are touched with wokeism a little bit, and uh, and that you know the, the danger is that that will grow. Uh, uh, one way to filter is most of those that you named have a strong core curriculum, and that means you'll have to study a bunch of stuff, and at least in several departments, people who take that stuff seriously and also take it seriously as an element of human knowledge 
that that everybody to call it, call himself educated needs, and that's a great thing. And you know, if you get if you get touched by that critical race race theory, the trouble is it gives up the heart of the point as a first step. Uh, everything, the whole core curriculum, everything in Western civilization. Mr. Elmer's writes about this in his book hinges on the freedom of the human soul. And that hinges upon the character, nature of the human soul. And that nature has to be immaterial. Uh, I'm teaching Aristotle's ethics this term, and I've been reading and referring a lot to the, the deonima on the soul. And in there he describes what goes on in the soul. And remember always, Aristotle is a philosopher. He's not a He's not a proselytizer. He's not a evangelical. He's a thinker. And the question that he asks is, what must the human soul be like in order for it to do what it seems to be able to do? Which leaves open the possibility that it can't do that, that, that we don't know whether we're awake or dreaming. It's an old puzzle, right? <laughs> but, if it, and, and, but if it's true that it can't do those things, then it's useless, right? There, there's no use thinking. There's no use anything. Well, and and for it to be able to do that, uh, the way Aristotle puts the point is, if you see a thing and it is a being, it's not just a lump of matter. Something, he says, has to hold it together to make it what it is. It's a form, an essence of it. And that works upon your soul, which isn't anything, until it perceives that. It's not in the way in any way. It's purely receiving. And he says that is the condition of freedom, to use the title of an essay that Professor Jeff wrote that's really great. And, uh, in fact, this morning I'm inclined, since this came up, to recommend that one. That's really great. And, uh, and, he, and so the point is, what, what is it like? It has to be nothing material. But a thing that's not material can't have a color. Right. It, uh, it, it has to be free for us to be able to make an argument, by the way, to make the claim that people are structurally evil because of their color, whatever the color is. Right. That gives up the whole argument about human freedom. That gives up the whole ground upon which one could condemn the people. And so colleges must not involve themselves in that contradiction. And some of them do now. Now, Glenn Elmer's. That is a magnificent introduction. I have to pay Larry a compliment, which always gets me off to a bad start. That's a magnificent introduction to why one should read The Soul of Politics and why someone should see a teacher like Harry Jaffa. Because only if you have a teacher, do you. I think you explain in The Soul of Politics quite well why Harry Jaffa was a brilliant teacher. But in particular, they've got to find teachers committed to truth and to exploring and creating their own hunger for truth. So... Would you explain at the start of our fourth of five segments on, on Harry Jaffa and the soul of politics why he was such a great teacher and what Straussianism is? Because I, you know, Ken Matsui asked me once, are you a Straussianist? I'm not smart enough to be a Straussian. He said it's a very Straussian <laughs> thing to say. And, uh, and so would you explain to people why they want a Leo Strauss or a Harry Jaffa or, God forbid, a Larry Arn or a Glenn Elmer's in their life? Why, why do they want that as a student? Well, probably the most uh, important thing is is the key lesson that Jaffa learned from his own teacher, Leo Strauss, who, just to recap, since you asked, uh, fled Nazi Germany in the 30s uh, and was 
probably the most brilliant and influential teacher of political philosophy in the 20th century and did a tremendous uh, job almost single-handedly reviving the serious study of the Western philosophic tradition as a source of real truth, real wisdom against the dominant, then even more than now, believe it or not, dominant intellectual idea that we're all trapped in our little universes, right? That we can't, we can read the past, but but uh, the past is sort of distant, it's alien to us. Uh, morality, reality, truth are just constructs of our particular culture, our particular time and place. And Strauss rejected that and thought that Plato and Aristotle and Aquinas and the whole Western tradition had insights into the human condition and the human world that, because they reflected a permanent reality, could be and were permanently true. Uh, and Jaffa applied that insight to the study of political philosophy himself, but in particular to the study and understanding of America. And it's this commitment to the idea of permanent truth, which is exceedingly rare now uh, in our elite universities, and which Jaffa offers and explains, I think, in a way uh, that's almost unparalleled. It, it, is un, it is absolutely laid out in the soul of politics why someone needs it and how do they get it. And they're not going to get it at most of America's major universities unless they fall upon a Harvey Mansfield or someone like that. Larry Arn, they get it at Hillsdale. I just don't know what we do about the demand curve and capacity. It really, it's a problem. It keeps coming up. We have less than a minute. What do we do about America's young people who want education and can't get into one of these universities? Well, let me answer that, you dog. Uh, <laughs> first of all, we have about 30 online courses uh, that are available and wildly popular and teach a lot. And second, there are centers in places, uh, you name some of them, and there are some others. People should look around for good teachers, and they should look around uh, with an understanding what that takes. And what I'm saying then is, one is going to have to educate himself a little bit in order to pick the right education, because 100%. it's percent available now. I'll be right back. The Hillsdale Dialogue rolls on. Harry Jaffa fought three great battles for most of his long and productive life. One with the left, one with his fellow Straussians, and one with the Paleocons. And we talk about them as the Hillsdale Dialogue continues. All things Hillsdale, found at hillsdale.edu. Come right back. And when news happens anywhere, you'll hear it here first. When Hugh Hewitt continues. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. This is the Hillsdale Dialogue, which we've been doing since 2013. I found out this week by accident that every one of them are cataloged by iTunes. In order... So if you just scroll down to the bottom, you can begin in 2013 when Dr. Arn and I are talking about Homer and come up to the present day and never miss a beat. And then you'll be beginning on the first step of actually understanding Larry. And therefore, I would recommend you all the Hillsdale Dialogue. Glenn Elmer's Your Wonderful Book collects in one place what Harry Jaffa was about and his commitment over decades to fight this. And it expressed itself in argument, as one would expect from someone committed to the classics. His first argument, in some ways, after reading The Soul of Politics, I think the least important, is with the left. What did he argue about with the left? They, they just didn't have any common ground. 
Right. And in a way, he didn't even focus his heavy intellectual fire on the left because he thought that they were kind of hopeless. And, and in a way, that's uh, become even more true since Jaffa passed away uh, six years ago. Um, you know, the left, in a way, is, has embodied all the worst aspects of modern and postmodern philosophy. And so they reject truth. They reject reason. They reject nature and human equality. And so, uh, you know, Jaffa used to quote a line from the beginning of the Republic, where uh, Socrates' students say, we're going to force you to discuss justice. And, what if, and Socrates says, what if I talk you out of it? And they say, what if we don't listen? And Socrates says, yes, well, if you don't listen, there's nothing I can do. And Jaffa loved quoting that line because there's a lot of people in the modern world who just won't listen. And I think the radical hardcore left are sort of in that position. And so it doesn't, you have to find other people to talk to who will listen. And so he trained his most important arguments uh, against other people on the right who he saw as allies, as fellow fighters to save the regime, but who made mistakes here and there that he thought it was important to correct because he thought the fight could only be won by getting the argument just right, by understanding the truth just so. So, Dr. Arn, uh, we will come back to the right's arguments in the second and third because they're the more interesting. But about the left, how many Jaffa students are at work today in, in the professoriate doing what he did for, I don't know, 60 years? I have no idea. Uh, so I'm, I'm running through a list in my mind right now, and I get few, not very many. I get, how do you think, Glenn, 20 or 30? Ooh, that many? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, uh, you know, uh, Jaffa's students are, uh, you know, first of all, if you hold, if, if your central interest is the natural law and the laws of nature and nature's God, then that is already a disqualification. In most, From faculties at most universities, yes. Yeah, most do. You know, and there, there, are, uh, there are some Christian colleges that have developed a noggin, and they've, you know, they, they have some bent toward this. And, you know, I'd say this, the success of Hillsdale College might be an inspiration to some of them. And I, if so, I, I'm glad. Pray so. I know that to be true of Colorado Christian, where the late Bill Armstrong told me he wanted to be Hillsdale in the mountains. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to be Hillsdale anywhere because Hillsdale is and intends to be everywhere. But huh. that, that doesn't mean we can't be helped. And, uh, and, you know, we're trying to make a movement here. Good. And I'll say, you know, since I don't know why you blunder into these things the way you do, but hardly the month goes by that I don't get a visit from luminaries at various colleges wanting me to tell them how to do it, us to tell them how to do it, or take them over, which happens a lot. And, you know, it, uh, this has to build, right? And it, it starts with what you talked about. It's not just where you go to college. It's where you go to school, because that's really bad now. And there's a huge opportunity because people are leaving the public schools. Uh, and so, you know, they can learn on their own. They're going to have to if they're going to save their souls, because if they develop the, the understanding that they are not responsible for themselves, that will forestall them developing the character to turn into fine human beings which is what education is all about. That Beyond is. Beyond left and right, right? One of prof- yes. I'll talk about it. One of Professor Jaffa's point is these very bad doctrines exist on the right, too. More on the left, probably, 
but on the right, too. That's where we're going next. And by the way, to be thought to be blundering is a great advantage that uh, Harry Jaffa and Leo Strauss believed in. I believe in being thought to be blundering. Don't go anywhere, America. Be right back on the Hillsdale Dialogue, all things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. Q for hillsdale.com to find all the dialogues. Or go to iTunes and just put in Hillsdale Dialogue, and you'll get them all back to 2013. You're in the middle of a non-stop, action-packed information blitz. The Hugh Hewitt Show is coming right back. Welcome back, America. The Hugh Hewitt Show is underway, but the Hillsdale Dialogue is underway. The last radio hour of the week. It's part four of a five-part series on Glenn Elmers, who is one of our guests, along with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, discussing his new book, The Soul of Politics which I really cannot recommend highly enough to people who want to understand what Leo Strauss and Harry Jaffa was about. And there is in there a concise review of the many battles of Harry Jaffa, which is like reviewing World War II in in 200 pages. Uh, And one of those epic battles was with fellow Straussians. And uh, there are East Coast Straussians and West Coast Straussians, and there are many debates, always conducted, by the way, with almost always civility. Uh, but ferocious, Glenn. Can you clue the audience in to what was all the shouting about and where lies the battles today? Sure. Uh, on one level, it's on the relationship between the philosopher and the citizen or the relationship between philosophy and politics. And that has a direct effect on the understanding of America. So Jaffa had a very political focus. He, he understood the distinction between the philosopher and the city, the the, the, the citizen has to be concerned with the moral life of, of the regime, of his community. The philosopher at, at the highest level is intransigently committed to the pursuit of truth and has to sweep away every convention, every opinion, uh, uh, every other consideration in pursuit of that. It's a very demanding and in a way very rare ideal. Um, but Jotha thought that political philosophy as a subject matter had a lot to say, uh, especially for the understanding of America, whereas the Eastern Straussians tend to focus very much on that distinction, on, on the philosopher as separate from all moral or, or political concerns, and had less interest in applying the lessons of political philosophy uh, to politics. And this comes out in a practical way in the understanding of America, um, and it, uh, an interpretation of, of something Strauss said, which the two camps interpret in different ways about Locke and what was Locke's secret teaching, and if you're a Straussian, You'll be familiar with this idea that many great thinkers have a kind of hidden uh, teaching, which is not such an unusual idea uh, when you consider that they're discussing radical ideas and sometimes just to protect yourself, to be cautious, you hide some of your meaning. And then the question is, uh, was Locke's secret teaching, which is supposedly based on the idea that, that human beings are low and passionate and acquisitive and have uh, no real commitment to the noble or the high or the virtuous, did that really define America? And that's the, the East Coast Straussian position, that America is just a sort of uh, a phenomenon of modern uh, philosophy with all of its problems. And Jaffa said, no, the American founders were not philosophers. They were practical statesmen. And to the degree that they drew on philosophy, they drew on ancients and moderns, as well as economics and law and many other subjects, 
to achieve something practical, to achieve a, a, a good regime, a decent constitution. And so this understanding of the relationship between the philosopher and, and, and moral political life and the particular understanding of America uh, gets to the distinction between the two camps. Now, Dr. Arndt, I can't say that I was taught by East Coast Straussians. I was in their classes, all right? So Harvey Mansfield and Bill Crystal and Alan Keyes and Nathan Tarkov. I was in their classes, but I can't say I was taught by them because I think I'm, I'm really a lawyer and not a philosopher or a statesman. But when Harvey Mansfield was a guest on this program about a month ago, he said Harry Jaffa was a great man, but he didn't really value Tocqueville enough. And that's that's interesting because Tocqueville's practical. And what Glenn just said is that the East Coast Drowsians are not so practical as the West Coast Drowsians. You are a West Coast Drowsian. You're a student of Jaffa, and you're very practical. What do you make of, of Harvey's passing reference? Harvey, you know, I think every lecture was about Machiavelli, but he made a point of saying may not have paid enough attention to Tocqueville. Well, uh, uh, first of all, I think that particular charge from Harvey is wrong, but it it uh, points up what the, the difference was. And, you know, I, sh- I should enter the caveat that I was the head of the Claremont Institute for 15 years, and Harry Jaffa lived right there in town, and he understood us as his expression, which it was. But I had to argue with him all this diplomacy for years about <laughs> who to attack and who not. And, and, you know, he would sometimes twice, exactly twice, sort of turn on me. And both times I wrote him a short note and said, are you under the impression I have learned from you to back down? (laughs) (laughs) And he stopped both times, right? Because he, you know, but so so sometimes, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, Harry Jaffa was, you know, incredibly strong, right, and aggressive. And sometimes I was a weenie about these things. And uh, he, but what Harvey... Harvey thinks that the principle of equality is a problem and is likely to be misunderstood. And I'm characterized. He's a very sophisticated man, and he's 90 years old or more, I think, and he's got all his marvels. 100%. Goodness me, go read them. Don't let me speak for him. But he thinks that it's a problem. And Professor Jaffa, in his heart of hearts and in his conversations, thought it could be a problem. But Professor Jaffa found the solution in the principle of equality. That is to say, the strongest thing in a regime, he thinks, and this is kind of fundamental political science, is, of course, a danger to it, but sometimes it's prudent to find in it the counter to the danger. And he, he got his eyes opened in a great turning in his life that Glenn documents very well. He, he saw that the principle of equality, as it's stated in the Declaration of Independence, forbids any misconstruction of it that we're going to make everybody the same. And, and, and that that fact, the strongest thing in us, points toward the laws of nature and nature's God and defines specifically what our rights are. And then, of course, he finds in Lincoln, and it, it took him a long time to figure all this out, by the way. He lived a long time. That was a blessing. He finds in Lincoln how to, how to construct that argument. Uh, Harvey, because he said it to me once, I can say it, thinks that, yeah, this is all different now, right? That was uh, nihilism of the right, and this is now we face nihilism of the left. You know, the right was the Confederacy, which was a very evil thing in its central meaning. 
Uh, and now we face nihilism of the left, and this won't be as strong against it. And Professor Jaffa denied that. And, and, way and of, to co- go ahead. Well, well, I, 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 wonder I, ask- I just wonder what Glenn thinks about this, because what I think yep. is the differences between them are certainly prudential and maybe theoretical, but that's, you know, these are all very sophisticated people, and it's hard to dismiss any of them. Glenn? Yeah, I'll only add everything that Larry said is right on point, and and again, I don't want to speak for Mansfield. I'll just say one word about Tocqueville. Uh, He he said he's practical, and he is. He was very interested in observing America. He has a lot of fascinating practical or empirical things, and, and people should certainly read his book. But he also came to America self-consciously as a Frenchman, and had a, and his understanding of America was very influenced, his understanding of equality especially, was very influenced by Rousseau. And again, it's this understanding of how did the American founders understand themselves. And Tocqueville brought a very French understanding of equality influenced by Rousseau, which is not how Jefferson and Madison understood equality. And by the way, Tocqueville, for all of his insight, missed something really important. He thought that there was going to be a race war in the United States. And just a couple decades before the Civil War, could not see that it would be whites fighting against whites to vindicate the Declaration of Independence. So he's not perfect, Tocqueville. Of course not. You know, what I, I, what I found so great about uh, poli- uh, solo politics, Glenn, is that you managed to convey that Harry Jaffa was combative, but he was educated and he was civil. And I like to tell conservatives yep. they have to be combative, but first they have to be educated, and then they have to conduct their combat civilly. And and maybe Harry Jaffa foreshadowed what's going to happen to conservative Larry Arn if they are going to be effective. First they have to be educated, then they have to be civil, and then they must never back off from a fight. Yeah, you have to make your point. And Professor Jaffa was... You know, he was a very delicate man, although he used to claim that he loved the hammer the best. Uh, And that meant that when he wanted to make a point, he could make it precisely. And I think that, you know, I think that's the gift that Winston Churchill had. There's very little in the 50 books and 8,000, 9,000 pages of speeches of Winston Churchill that's bitter. And and Professor Jaffa, he was it, it was notorious with him. And I used to I used to counsel people. I, I used to say how, they used to say to me, "How do I get him to shut up?" I agree with him, and I'd say, "Then you have to argue with him, because that's what he wants." He, that's what he wants. And and, yeah. and he thinks that in the argument, right in the in the difference of opinion, uh, that that that's you know the Socratic dialogue. And the dialectical nature of Aristotle's treatises take up the various sides and explore them. And that's how you learn the truth. Uh, but Glenn so, Elmers, you can't, learn the, you can't learn the truth on Twitter. You, you can't <laughs> learn the truth uh, disassociated from the books. You have to do the work, and then you have to actually listen to the other side. Right. I'm sort of glad Twitter wasn't around to distract Harry Joff from his more important writings because <laughs> he, would have, he would have gotten a little carried away with the opportunity to tweet things all the time. Um, so, yeah, we should be thankful for that. Uh, um, go ahead. 
Yeah. Do you want to get into some of these? Uh, so the, 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 that's the East Coast dressings. And the other ones you mentioned were the, the paleocons. Or we're going to come right back. At, we're going to yeah. come right back and do paleocons. But Larry, last word on, on the interstraussian battles. They are ongoing. And I hope they never go away because it's a it's a dialogue among truth seekers, which is not very common anymore. Yeah, those are. And see, remember, Professor Jaffa paid a compliment to the people who he attacked. He thought they were serious people. And and he hated me saying that to him, by the way. <laughs> and and, you know, we had our own little arguments, many, many. And uh, and, you know, to be clear, I love that man and learned from him all my adult life until he died. But I would say you have to admit that these guys know things and have higher purposes than your common garden, ordinary liberal politico or even liberal thinker. And it would usually take about 45 minutes, but I could get him to admit that. (laughs) Well, it took some courage to say to Harry Jaffe, you have to admit, I don't think I would ever do that. Don't go anywhere, America. The final segment of this week's Hillsdale Dialogue is ahead. The Hugh this Hewitt Show. is the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. The Hillsdale Dialogue today is the fourth of five on Dr. Harry Jaffa, who is memorialized and studied in a book, The Soul of Politics, by one of our guests, Glenn Elmers. Uh, I recommend The Soul of Politics to you highly. Dr. Larry Arn is with us, of course. All things Hillsdale on the Hillsdale Dialogue are found at Hillsdale.edu, all of our dialogues dating back to 2013, an hour a week for eight years. That's a lot of dialogue. Uh, are collected at iTunes and at hughforhillsdale.com. Glenn Elmers, Harry Jaffa's battles with the paleocons. Uh, can you summarize them, and maybe you better begin by telling people exactly what paleocons are? Sure. The paleocons are the traditionalists. They're suspicious of the Enlightenment. They're suspicious of abstract truth and theoretical reasoning and think that the best way to have a healthy regime is to just focus on who we are as a people, our customs, our history, and not get involved in a lot of, uh, in, in too much abstract thinking. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. Uh, but Jaffa thought ultimately, America in particular, precisely because it does draw on political philosophy, precisely because it does devote the regime to an abstract principle, uh, precisely because the Declaration, our founding charter, does talk about universal truths, it's necessary to understand those things, and it's necessary to see not only why America is ours and lovable because it's ours, but because it's good. And that requires uh, an intellectual or theoretical or even philosophical argument. The, the difference between the paleocons or the traditionalists on the one hand and the East Coast Straussians, I have a nice formulation in the book, which a couple people picked up on. The East Coast Straussians want nature without morality and the paleos want morality without nature, <laughs> right? So the East Coast Straussians are very interested in talking about theory and nature and what nature points to, uh, but they're not so concerned with the moral political question. And the paleos see the importance of morality in politics, but they, they lack any sort of ground, right? Any, any permanent ground in which to, to, to find uh, a basis for uh, defending what's ours, uh, for, for distinguishing between good traditions and bad traditions. And Jaffa thought that that was uh, a particular failing that the paleos had. And Dr. Arn, sometimes I think the paleos uh, will rely on Jerusalem exclusive of, of Athens, and they want to grab the traditional arguments and, and oblige people to bend the knee. It doesn't work that way. Well, 
No, it, it can't work that way. And and it's you know, the glory. Why is the American regime defensible? It's defensible because its central purpose is to treat people like humans if they're human, whatever whatever they are, whatever color, whatever everything. It's these are human beings, and they must not be treated as tools. Uh, their good is the heart of the matter, according to Aristotle, the greatest good of the greatest number. And that, and, and th- that doesn't mean, because in Aristotle this is really clear in the ethics and other places, uh, the ultimate good is enjoyed by the greatest thinkers. And they have contemplative activity that they can share in friendship. But the point is, those people have a larger reason than anyone to be grateful for the liberal, in the true sense, regime, because it leaves them alone to do their work, which ancient Athens did not do and which today America does not do. And so we should, we, the thinking class, they should have agreement with one another about that. And that, that's, that's one thing that got Professor Jaffa's dander up. Uh, he think that, thinks that people uh, fail to understand how remarkable it is to have that chance. And, of course, during his lifetime and accelerating now, the academic world is making fewer and fewer people who are real thinkers welcome. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it really party is. Line. It has become hostile to this inquiry. Uh, Glenn, I want to finish there. I, I often tell yep. students that their mission is to do as much as they can for as many as they can for as long as they can. And if you, if you put up Harry Jaffa as an example of that, that's a lot done for a lot for a long, long time. It's really a good standard against which to measure your effort on behalf of the good. You're yeah, stunned. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he wrote tremendous numbers of books. He got involved in speechwriting. He, he taught many students, uh, you know, as fierce as he could be with, with other combatants in the public arena. He was incredibly kind uh, and generous with his time towards his students. Uh, and he lived a very long and productive life. You know, he was 96 when he died in 2015. So he, he, he gave a lot. You're right about that. So, Larry, I think you've got three decades left as Hillsdale's president, if you're going to even begin to attempt to match your, your mentor's productivity. Well, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that's right. And I think you've already begun to promote my competitors, so we're preparing the way. <laughs> and, uh, but... Uh, uh, I just paid, by the way, some of them, and I don't say all of them that you name. Some of them I give the distinction competitor because they're good people. And, oh, they're uh, not competing. They're not competing. The Lantern of the North, it's like saying I compete with, uh, with uh, 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 I'm thinking the guy, Aaron, Aaron uh, uh, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. I'll think yeah. of it. Aaron Rodgers. It's like I could throw a football with Aaron. I could throw a football. <laughs> I'm not competing with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Dr. Larry Arn, Glenn Millers. We'll be back next week to talk about Harry Jaffa and Shakespeare as the transition to our series on Shakespeare on the Hillsdale Dialogue. All of you, thank you both. Come back. All things Hillsdale, hillsdale.edu. Everything of these dialogues collected at youforhillsdale.com. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Dwayne. Talk to you next week, America, on the next You Do It Show. absolutely positively need the truth this is where you turn this is the hugh hewitt show